time for the August 18, 2023 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting on Bad Poetry Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And... As always, a master stylist who transformed 20th century canine fashion, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> you looking good today. Looking he is. He's looking very stylish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not kidding. I love that it. vest. That vest is perfect. Vest. Little ascot. Uh-huh. I love it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Today, we'll be talking about. Heat stroke insurance, robo taxi porn, Pink Floyd's neuronal patterns, digital funerals, and a whole lot more. But first, do you ever go fishing, Mike? Yeah. You do? I do. I go now. No, I haven't gone. And I'm, I'm going to try to be exact here. Yeah. About 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. But maybe. when you did go fishing yeah. 40 years ago, yeah. what did you catch? Uh, I didn't catch anything. Nothing. Except a cold. I, I, we used to go up to a place called Pleasant Valley, which is just at the bottom of the grade at 395 on your Did way you up to Mammoth. Did you go on Sunday? Pleasant Valley Sunday. Oh, yeah. I got it. Oh, good. Monkey's reference. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was this little dam, little reservoir dam thing. Right. And me and my buddies would go up there and just go on a bender for like four or five days and then pretend like we were up there to fish. Yeah. Yeah. But you went up there just to drink. And yeah. Well, I, I didn't drink. That's From uh, Wyoming News Now. Yeah. High-speed evolution. A study found that both cutthroat trout, that's a fish, and golden trout, also a fish, mm. responded rapidly to the food available in their new homes, developing rake filters that allowed them to eat more plankton to stay healthy. Oh, good. Yeah. Beginning in the 20th century, wildlife managers began stocking Wyoming lakes with trout from hatcheries, leading to the lake's native zooplankton to evolve scrawnier, as larger plankton became scarce. During the summers from 2018 to 2021, researchers collected hundreds of fish from high-elevation lakes there. Mm -hmm. Then they compared the fish they found with fish born in Wyoming hatcheries. Mm -hmm. The lake fish it turned out, had higher number of structures called gill rakers, bone and cartilage in the esophagus that allow fish to strain more plankton into their stomachs because their plankton was scrawny there. Mm -hmm. So evolution took over, That's... and their rake filters became more excellent. Yeah, more yeah. excellent, yeah. They believe the structures evolved as a result of the lake fish feeding in the zooplankton-rich lakes and that natural selection favored fish with bodily structures that allowed them to gather as many zooplankton as possible. Hmm. Way to go, fish. Way to go. They didn't even know it. No. They just evolved. No. That's what I like about fish. I, I love fish. You not do? to eat, not, but I like fish, yeah. The researchers say the evolutionary changes took place rapidly and may show that some animals can respond quickly to other human-caused habitat changes, which in the uh, age of pyrocene, yeah, climate change, and, and possibility of hurricanes roaring into areas that don't usually experience them, animals that can respond to that through evolution are a good deal. Absolutely. It does bring to mind what will Mother Nature rot in the, in the service of a rapid 
uh, evolution? What will it do to adapt to a changing uh, world, and how will that impact us? I, I see us with gills in another <laughs> 40 years or so. Well, isn't that a sort of the story of man? Didn't we have gills at one point before— you we and I, we crawled I believe up, we did. Before we crawled up on... On uh, to KUCI. Up to KUCI. From the Associated Press, a new pack of gray wolves has shown up in California's Sierra Nevada, several hundred miles away from any other known population of gray wolves. Hmm. An endangered species. So we got these gray wolves in California. The native species, gray wolves, were hunted to extinction in California in the 1920s. Now they're back in the state again, and we have a new pack. I like that. From the New York Times, a mission of undue decades of damage to the redwoods of California caused by unchecked logging involves chainsaws and even more logging. You think, well, how's that going to work? Carried out by Redwood National and State Parks and Save the Redwoods League, a nonprofit, crews are using chainsaws and logging equipment and planning prescribed fires to mimic the traits of a young, healthy redwood forest and undo the damage from decades of unbridled logging and indiscriminate reseeding. You know, throwing a lot of seeds down. Yeah. yeah. Not reseeding, but reseeding. Reseeding. Treated forest stands or communities of similar trees like this, researchers believe, will grow into the classic classic cathedral-like groves of redwoods over the next few centuries. The conservationists and park officials also hope the work will help combat the effects of climate change. Redwoods take up and store more carbon than any other species of tree, largely because they are the world's tallest, reaching heights of more than 350 feet and so long-lived, too. Yes. Some are over 2,000 years old. Mm. Wow. There. Yeah. So they're uh, thinning out some of the redwoods so that they'll grow into uh, mighty stands of redwood. <coughs> Excellent. <coughs> Certainly hope they survive. <coughs> if you'd like to evolve faster, may I recommend a donation to KUCI? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. From the New York Times, the clean energy future is arriving faster than you think. The United States is pivoting away from fossil fuels and toward wind, solar, and other renewable energy, even in areas dominated by the oil and gas industry. A similar energy transition is already well underway in Europe and elsewhere. Wind and solar power are breaking records, and renewables are now expected to overtake coal by 2025 as the world's largest source of electricity. There you go. Good. Automakers have made electric vehicles central to their business strategies and are openly talking about an expiration date on the internal combustion engine. An expiration date? That mean if you have one, it'll just stop working? Well, I hope so. I I would, you know, honestly. Yeah, you don't hope so. I do. You'd be whining because you didn't get your shipment of almond (laughs) drink. I'll believe that that is happening, and I know it is happening to the degree that you just just described it. When we stop 
subsidizing the production, the refinement, and all the rest of it when it comes to fossil fuel. And when they stop building pipelines, that's when I'll believe that that's actually happening. What I said is actually happening, but you don't think it's happening enough. Enough, quickly enough and all that, yes. Heating, cooling, and cooking and some manufacturing are going electric. As the planet registers highest temperatures on record, governments around the world are pouring trillions of dollars into clean energy to cut the carbon pollution that is broiling the planet. However... However, in the U.S., dozens of conservative groups organized by the Heritage Foundation have created a policy playbook, should a Republican win the 2024 presidential election, that would reverse course on lowering emissions, dismantling nearly every federal clean energy program, and boosting the production of fossil fuels. You got to wonder what these guys are about, you know? Greed. It's It's just there's no other explanation except just greed. I think there's a degree of religious stupidity in there. I think there's yeah. this blind faith that God's going to come down and save us all, no matter how badly we F up. Yeah. And that we are, we human beings are shepherds of the kingdom of the earth. Well, if we'd act like shepherds, that would be cool. Yeah, exactly. But we're, we're acting like jackasses. Right. To add Injury to insult, while energy systems are changing fast, so is the climate. It is far from certain whether the United States and other polluting countries will do what scientists say is necessary to avert catastrophe. Stop adding greenhouse gases to the atmosphere. And by 2025, at the very latest, all of the investment so far has slowed the pace at which emissions are growing worldwide, but the amount of carbon dioxide pumped into the atmosphere is at record levels. And that's what you're referring to. I yeah, think. and, and I, it brings to mind, in addition to what you described, Nathan, the idea that it's costing us now so much money in terms of the disasters, the natural disasters that are occurring because of climate change. And there's a report that last year we had over 15 disasters here in the United States that cost over a billion dollars. So far, they have tallied more than 15 individual weather and climate disasters that cost at least a billion dollars in repairs. So, so far in seven months, we're going to end up spending $40 billion cleaning up natural disasters. Well, that's going to happen for a long time now. We've, we've yep. already primed the pump, and they're just going to keep coming at us. Yep. Yep. Which brings to mind Hurricane Hillary, spelled with one L, not with two. <laughs> so it's a different Hillary down there. And Hillary's coming this way. Yeah. They're not even sure exactly which direction it'll be headed, whether it will go out into the Pacific. Yeah. It could even focus in Arizona. could make a hard right there as it's going up. Or it could uh, come into Southern California. Uh, they're expecting maybe eight inches of rain in some places, probably two inches down here. But God knows what will happen. We could get nothing. It could clear out completely. And they recognize that as a possibility. Yeah. Well, is this, this new? I mean, we've, I've heard uh, in the past of rumors of hurricanes coming our way. But very rarely can I, I can't remember an actual hurricane touching down in Southern California. One of this nature happened in 1939. Okay. After that, similar August Tropical storms. Monsoon-ish kind of things. Remember, it hasn't happened yet. We're just fortunate to be living in an era where we can predict when things will happen, but often our predictions go off. So next week, we'll know a lot more about it right now. 
not so much. We're just hoping it doesn't cause a bad situation for people. I was thinking today, maybe we could fine-tune this storm so it just gave us enough water that we'd all be happy. Exactly. From Mother Jones, big farming operations may take out insurance to protect against record heat that kills crops, and retail companies may buy a policy to hedge against a decline in foot traffic on scorching days. But ordinary people like you, me, and Mahler... Whoa! (laughs) Basically don't want or need financial protection against heat. No. No, we don't. We don't. Insure ourselves against passing out in the heat. But now, maybe we should. But now, on Sumitomi Life's mobile app, Mm. a customer can pay about 70 cents for a one day heat stroke policy that kicks in at 10 a.m. So if you get heat stroke at 9.59, you're (laughs) out of luck. But at 10 a.m., I imagine it lasts through until the sun sets or something like that. And I don't know the 10 a.m. business. Anyway, a one day heat stroke policy. Would Mm. you be into that, Mike? You got a mobile app right there. Yeah, I got a mobile app. Yeah, all of a sudden, seventy cents goes to Nakashima or whatever you said. The uh, Sumitomo Life apps. You know, I think after a couple of days of severe heat, and I knew it was coming the next. You know, I might. might What did they give you? Yeah, I was just that was my next question. Pass out? Did they give you? Did they airdrop some water and some? No, they just give you some money later on to cover your expenses. Well, no, then it's not worth it. Meanwhile, a charitable foundation launched an insurance program for Indian workers against lost wages due to heat. Mm -hmm. And an experimental new insurance policy emerged to protect British farmers against heat stress in cattle. So if you have, you know, you don't need to have a massive herd. You can just have a few cattle out there. You buy an insurance policy for your cattle. Now, that makes sense. When the insurance companies are trying to make money off a climate crisis... I think that's pretty much yeah. a good sign that it's real. From Axios, in the first ruling of its kind nationwide, a Montana state court decided in favor of young people who said the state violated their right to a clean and healthful environment by promoting the use of fossil fuels. The court determined mm-hmm. that a provision in the Montana Environmental Policy Act has harmed the state's environment and the young plaintiffs by preventing Montana from considering the climate impacts of energy projects. The ruling, which invalidates the provision blocking climate consideration, also represents a rare victory for climate activists who have tried to use the courts to push back against activities that are harming the planet. Three-quarters of the approximately 22 Hundred ongoing or concluded cases were filed before courts in the United States. Though the cumulative number of climate cases around the world has more than doubled in the last five years, youth-led lawsuits in the U.S. have faced an uphill battle. Already at least 14 of these cases have been dismissed. But of the international cases that have been decided, more than half have had outcomes favorable to climate action. The Montana case will face an appeal to the state Supreme Court. Well, good on these kids, good on their attorneys, good on all the people that are at least bringing some measure of possible accountability to this. I don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but it is a good development. And I'm, I'm glad on the judge for ruling the way that they did in this case. From Green Matters, Guy Walton 
A meteorologist who previously worked for the Weather Channel has begun naming significant heat waves after major oil companies. Walton created five categories of heat waves with categories three, four, and five qualifying for a fossil fuel company name. The heat wave that baked much of the U.S. Southwest in recent weeks, helping bring a record-breaking string of days over 110 degrees Fahrenheit to Phoenix, has been named heat wave Chevron. As of August 2030, he's also named two others. Heatwave Amico in the Pacific Northwest briefly reached Category 3 status in May and damaged Canadian oil and gas production by igniting wildfires. Heatwave British Petroleum reached Category 4 status and baked Texas, parts of the Southwest, and Mexico in June. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. What is it, Mother? Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about it, too. Sometimes we're flippant about things. But yeah. From Vox. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration overstepped its authority when it allowed the abortion drug mifepristone to be delivered by mail, administered by a pharmacist, and given to women further along in their pregnancy than the initial label allowed. The ruling somewhat dialed back a Texas court, which had argued the Food and Drug Administration should not have approved the drug in the first place. Because it was initially for something else. Yeah, and that was 20 years ago, you have to remember, too. So that was kind of a a bizarre ruling by the Texas court. Of course it was. The decision will not take effect immediately because of an earlier Supreme Court decision that paused any changes to the status quo. That would be earlier this year. The ruling will be appealed to the Supreme Court. A central question is whether the ruling will affect the Food and Drug Administration's ability to make medical decisions going forward and whether its past decisions will also be questioned by the courts. And that's the real key here. It is. The, uh, the the drug itself, of course, we want that to be available, but this might devolve into something where the Food and Drug Administration is just taken off the books and we won't have one anymore. Right. Just they- be a free-for-all. From Los Angeles Times, a long line of cruise robo-taxis clogged San Francisco's North Beach streets to a standstill. As all hell broke loose, the robo-taxis sat motionless with parking lights flashing for 15 (laughs) minutes, then woke up and moved on. Can you imagine? North Beach is a busy place, especially Friday night when this happens. For 15 minutes, these goddamn robo-taxis are sitting in the middle of effing North Beach with their lights flashing. Nothing else is going on. Nobody can get through. Aaron Peskin, who represents North Beach on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, fears what could happen when a major fire or other life-threatening emergency breaks out with robo-taxis blocking the way. Yeah. No kidding. Just last week, the California Public Utilities Commission voted three to one amid great public controversy to allow a massive robo-taxi expansion. The vote allows General Motors Cruise and Google's Waymo to charge fares for driverless service and to grow the fleet as large as they'd like. 
City officials in San Francisco from the mayor's office down have been fighting the move with officials saying the robo-taxi industry needs to fix problems that endanger the public first before expanding the business. Yeah. No kidding. Yes. The city's fire department has logged more than 55 cases of robo-taxis interfering with first responders. Fire department, 55 yeah. cases That's... of robo-taxis blocking their way. Yeah. And how has that impacted the places that they were supposed to be? Now, there's your lawsuit. There's my lawsuit. Yeah. Get me an attorney. <laughs> yeah, that's Mahler's lawsuit. <laughs> He's pissed off about it. From the San Francisco Standard. Shut up, Mahler. From the San Francisco Standard. As autonomous vehicles become increasingly popular in San Francisco, some riders are wondering just how far they can push the limits. With no front seat driver or chaperone to uh, discourage them. Uh-huh. Sex and driverless vehicles is an option. Yes. The cruise origin seats six adults facing one another. We record video inside of the car for added safety and support, Cruise states on its website. So they're recording this stuff mm-hmm. for added safety and support. Apparently they're not doing it to report on any of it because mm-hmm. so far all they've done is confirm that there's sex on their you know, robo-taxis. Get me Pornhub on the phone right now. I think I have an idea. Well, it's already in production, okay. Mike. Oh. Robo-taxi porn is already happening. Oh my God. As far as getting loaded in vehicles, the state vehicle code is pretty clear on that front, or really not really clear. Drivers and passengers are prohibited from drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana, or possessing open containers of either substance in cars. While on public roads, however, However. a loophole exists under California law, which states that open container laws do not apply to passengers in a bus, taxi cab or limousine for hire, which Cruz and Waymo apparently are. Mm. Yet, even though that exists, Cruz has cracked down on users. Its cameras have caught drinking in its vehicle. Okay, so. There you go. Crack they, down they, on the drinking. down on that. Yeah. yeah, they don't want people to drink. Maybe they, so they're okay with the sex. I don't know. But what I'm thinking is, I don't like what's going on with robo-taxis. Yeah. They're coming on too strong. Exactly. They're making things dangerous. Maybe the best way to ban these things and chill this out a little bit is to have sex in them. <laughs> but they don't get upset about anything else. You can burn up the effing planet. Nobody gets upset. Right. But if you take your dick out, people lose their minds. <laughs> I'm not encouraging people to do this. I'm just no. saying if you don't want robo-taxis, maybe you had to have sex in one. Can you envision the name of a robo-taxi company that specialized in allowing people to have sex in their vehicles? Can you think of a name that you might want to call? Mm. Let's think about that for a what second. What about Hordash? Okay, there you go. From Grist. (laughs) E-bike batteries are sparking dangerous fires. You know that? Uh, What? E-bike batteries. Oh, God, are they really? sparking dangerous fires. One fire burned down (laughs) homes and businesses in the Bronx in New York City in March. Another blaze at an e-bike store in Manhattan killed four people in June. Oh, my God. This is serious now. We're, We're getting the serious face on. In recent months, People for Bikes, the national trade organization representing bicycle manufacturers, has reached out to lawmakers and officials in several states to request that e-bikes be exempted from right-to-repair bills, which makes it easier for you and me to access the parts, tools, and information we need to fix our stuff. Mm -hmm. 
So you see what this is. This is one of those things where you're saying, well, I don't want e-bike batteries to burn things down. Right. But now they're taking advantage of that and saying, we're not going to let you fix anything on our bikes. God. The industry claims it's a matter of safety and that people without the proper training should not attempt to repair e-bikes, especially not the batteries. But for the e-bike industry to be sustainable over the long term, e-bikes also need to be repairable. Yes, because I imagine those batteries are very expensive. Yeah. And the bikes are expensive. I don't think you can get a decent e-bike for under $1,500. I don't think that's even feasible at this point, so... Yeah. They're expensive. In the meantime, you can recycle your e-bike battery at Call2Recycle. You can find, them, uh, find out more about this at calltorecycle.org. Mm. So if you have a battery, that's probably the one thing you don't want to try to repair. Yeah. But if you're recycling the battery, that's a good thing. Maybe we can work out a deal where when you recycle a battery, they give you one that's been re- upgraded. Yeah. It's a recyclable well, one. I hope they're building batteries that allow that yeah. as, a, as an option that they can be recharged. From Science Magazine, the Mütter Museum, a 19th century repository of medical oddments and arcana at the College of Physicians of Philadelphia, attracts as many as 160,000 visitors a year. Among the anatomical and pathological specimens exhibited are skulls corroded by syphilis, spines twisted by rickets, skeletons deformed by corsets, a two-headed baby and a liver that joined the original Siamese twins, Cheng and Eng Bunker. Where is this? I didn't expect Cheng and Eng to have Bunker as a last name. I wouldn't either. Yeah. But where is this This place? is in Philadelphia, okay. the Mütter Museum. Oh. The celebrity magician Teller, a Philadelphia native, calls the Mütter Museum a place of electrifying frankness. We are permitted to confront real, not simulated artifacts of human suffering and are, at a gut level, able to appreciate the epic achievements of medicine, he said. Hmm. But like museums everywhere, the Mütter is having a an identity crisis. The problems begin in February when devoted fans of the Mütter's website and YouTube channel noticed that all but 12 of the museum's 450 images and videos had been removed. According to the new museum staff, the clips, which had amassed more than 13 million views, were being re-evaluated to improve the visitor experience by tasking 13 unnamed people medical historians, bioethicists, disability advocates, Mm. and members of the community to ensure that the online presence of the museum was appropriate. Blowback was furious. An online petition garnered the signatures of nearly 33,000 Mütter enthusiasts who insisted that they loved the museum and its websites as they were. The results of the Mütter staff report on appropriateness will be released this Labor Day. Well, appropriateness is such a yeah, sissy what I mean. word. It's such know? a fungible word, and yes, you're right. Uh, fungible? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Fungible word. There are things that are appropriate to some people in some situations that are not appropriate to others. Exactly. And it's uh, discouraging when we all have to have the same degree of appropriateness governing what we're able to do and see right just don't go there just don't do the thing that you think would would bother you to the point where i hear there's a couple of incidents where some folks were like brushing the teeth of a skull 
and that enraged some people. Okay. All right. But, well, you know, it's they, a skull. I've offered my skull to a lot of people. I figure when I'm gone, yeah. it's a skull. It's a skull. And it's pretty cool. I'd love to have your skull, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I am, there's a lot of people's Tiny skulls skull. I like. Very yeah, small. I know. Yours very, would be very small. From yeah. Science Daily. The scientists have trained a computer to analyze the brain activity of someone listening to music and based only on those neuronal patterns, recreate the song. The computer produced a recognizable, if muffled, version of Pink Floyd's 1979 song, Another Brick in the Wall, Part One. Hmm. How appropriate. Mm -hmm. The researchers also found a spot in the brain's temporal lobe that reacted when volunteers heard the 16th notes of the song's guitar groove. It was kind of like a tangerine dream, you know, drone. It was faster than that. But they proposed that this particular area might be involved in our perception of rhythm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. The findings offer a first step toward creating more expressive devices to assist people who can't speak. Oh, so that's there good. You go. There you go. Or they can't get enough dinosaur psychedelic bands. <laughs> Maybe that's it. From Bloomberg. Both local governments and funeral companies in China are experimenting with new ways of conducting burial rites as the country confronts urban land scarcity and a rapidly aging population. Yeah. The state council has said that Beijing will try to reduce the total land occupied by public cemeteries to about 70% of its current area by 2035. And the country has been pushing other forms of burial to save space. A digital cemetery is working with the city and its cemeteries to move the funeral industry online and into columbariums. Those are structures for the public storage of potted funeral urns. Yeah. Your ashes are there. Yeah. An average digital funeral costs approximately a third of the cost of a traditional outdoor burial plot in the same area. A 215-square-foot digital cemetery can accommodate more than 150 plots, while a site that size would hold only six traditional grave sites. So it doesn't make sense to do it any other way. I say, why need any? Why you need anything? But the city's first private vertical columbarium was recently opened to provide cemetery space in a modern building. So they're going to have high-rise funeral urn depositories. The companies are working to create realistic digital representations of people once they have passed on. So you can go to this little box in this big building and see Uncle Joe's yeah. tablet. Yeah. Uh, you can yeah. watch him say, I'm dead now. Yeah. And F you all. Yeah. And there's his urn. Yeah. Well, AI will make it very easy or easier for someone to replicate the sound of my... Well, they've got a plenty of data on my voice and your voice, uh -huh. so they could easily have us saying anything in some kind of AI environment. Uh -huh. Like somebody walks up and, and you might yeah. say, I never liked you anyway. Why I are did. you here? Yeah. Yeah. And then I like that. Yeah. Here's one for you right now <laughs> that you can put on my AI site for when I'm dead. Yeah. I told you this would happen. <laughs> and now it's time to play Are You a Cynic? from the Associated Press. Los Angeles Dodgers star Mookie Betts was in the on-deck circle waiting his at-bat at home on August 2nd against the Oakland A's when Giuseppe Mancuso, a fan in the dugout seats, told Betts that if he hit a home run in his upcoming at-bat, Giuseppe would give his soon-to-be-born daughter the middle name Mookie. <laughs> I turned around and told him, no, don't do that, bro, don't do that, said Mookie. Your wife wouldn't like that. Betts 
then walked up to the plate and hit a 436 <laughs> blast to left field, his longest home run as a Dodger. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, I see the birth certificate from Francisco Mookie Mancuso. <laughs> I can't wait to meet Francesca, Mookie said, whose birth name happens to be Marcus Lynn Betts. Mookie said his nickname came from his parents watching former NBA player Mookie Blaylock. Yeah, Mookie Blaylock, yeah. So, Mike, what do you think? Is this a heartwarming story that confirms the magic of baseball, or are you a cynic? I'm Is gonna... it a cheap promotional ploy by a greedy sports organization? I'm going to say, I'm going to go with my heart and say that it's a heartwarming story. Good for you. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And finally... Speaking of the magic of baseball, from Comunidad Marca, Spain's daily sports newspaper, because the LA Times doesn't write a sports page anymore. Jesus. I can't tell you how many people have been upset that they brought it up to me, not that yeah. I talked well, about so it. so ridiculous? My sister is furious because that was the thing she looked at, yeah. was the box scores, the standings. That was what she wanted to know. Well, they didn't cover this story. Okay. Fullerton Union High School in Fullerton, California, has sent only four pitchers to Major League Baseball. A week ago Wednesday, the fourth one, Michael Lorenzen of the Philadelphia Phillies, pitched a no-hitter against their division rival Washington Nationals. Lorenzen continued an incredible streak that began July 1st, 1920, when pitcher Walter Johnson of the Washington Senators and Fullerton Union High School no-hit the Boston Red Sox. Nearly 53 years later, Steve Busby of the Kansas City Royals and Fullerton Union High School tossed the first of two no-hitters. And in 1983, right-hander Mike Warren of the Oakland A's and Fullerton Union High School no-hit the Chicago White Sox. No-hit the Chicago White Sox. That's amazing. Which means that Fullerton Union High School has sent only four pitchers to Major League Baseball, and all of them have pitched no-hitters. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at WeeklySignals.com WeeklySignals.com Subscribe now!